Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lending Art and Market's second annual conference. My name is Nadia Wang, and I'm editor at Art and Market. This is the third panel of Lending. Thank you very much for joining us for the first two panels. The question for this session is, how do art dealers conduct business as usual? As second waves of COVID-19 infections sweep across Southeast Asia, renewed restrictions challenge art dealers to conduct their business as usual, even as they are more prepared for what to do than they were a year ago. In this discussion, they offer their views on operating with and without physical spaces, thinking out of the box with online programming and planning for an uncertain future. Before we begin, I would like to thank everyone for spending the next 45 minutes with us. If you have a question to ask a panelist, you can type it out anytime in the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen, and we will get to them at the end during the Q&A segment. We have also received some questions before the conference, and we will also ask them at the end. I'm pleased to be speaking to Sukhantip Fon Prahampap, founder, Lalanta Fine Art and Warren Lab Contemporary. Hi, Fon. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And Lim Weiling, director of Weiling Galleries. Hi, Weiling. Hi, everybody. Thank you. Santi Saptari, principal consultant, Santi Saptari Art Consulting. Hey, Santi. Hi, Nadia. Okay, let's dive in. So what has the year been like for you as an art dealer? What has changed for you in assuming this role and what remains the same? Maybe Santi, you can start us off. Oh, okay. Um, good afternoon, everyone. And thank you for having me, Nadia. Um, I think if I could describe the past year uh, for me as an art dealer, I would sum it up in three, actually. Uh, first of all, it has been um, busy and full of surprises. Um, what has been different is that I had to relocate from uh, Melbourne to Jakarta temporarily. Uh, and I decided to start uh, doing some online programming since last year. So just to give a background info, um, I actually set up my consultancy in 2017 mm -hmm. uh, in Melbourne, where I, had, where I was based and I had lived for, um, for three years uh, since my last appointment in Singapore. And then I had to return home just before, you know, COVID hit because I had to care for my elderly parents. Um, so I really needed to find a way to keep engaging with my collectors in Australia that I have been building for the past years while temporarily away from the country. But the thing is, I am still now here and I still in Jakarta and I haven't been able to go back uh, to Australia. So the online programming really came out of a necessity. Um, and I started doing that in July. Um, and prior to COVID-19, my consulting was mainly assisting clients building their collection. So it was much more, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one consultation. Uh, and I was doing a lot of private sale for both primary and secondary works. Uh, it is still the main work that I do now, but at the same time, I now curate online exhibitions and organize educational program and tours. So what I find secondly, organizing these online programs continuously require me to be really creative thinking outside the box. So I, I think perhaps similar to other um, industries, sometimes I feel we in the art were very often comfortable in doing things in certain ways. Um, and now we are required to change and adapt. And I work specifically now with someone who is a digital content maker. 
And we work together in finding ways to kind of create and promote our programs that are engaging. Uh, but it was not easy initially for me as well, because I was so used to do things in certain ways. So then thirdly, it has been a constant learning of new technology. I mean, before, before COVID, I was really not the safest person when it comes to new technologies, but now I really need to kind of keep up and, and, and learn. And I think most importantly, to be really open-minded. Definitely. And what about for you, Fawn Wheeling? Oh, for me, the what hit home for me for, for um, the pandemic started in March uh, 2020. I had an art fair lineup in March in Europe. So, you know, uh, a month out, everybody say, oh, it's okay, it's going to be fine. So, you know, so you start to think about, should I ship the work? Should I um, continue with my plan? What should I do? So, you know, nobody has ever envision that the world will go to a pause like how we have been so organizer and also us and general public they all think that it should be fine so, you know that was the chaotic part for me uh, last year but then you know after that subsided then I start to realize okay this thing is serious it's gonna hit us quite hard so um, I try to think of what to do because previously before COVID I would go to art fairs um, nine fairs a year, can you believe it? You know, I, I was just like, go, 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 go all the time. So when COVID hit, my world stopped. It's like, uh, what's going on, you know? So um, my sales, 80% before come from international art fairs. So um, in 2020, what happened was I tried to think what could we do with the database that we have, with the connection that we have, um, then I realized that I have been um, neglecting the local market because I've been, you know, on the plane all the time. So then we start to, you know, cultivate the relationship that we used to have. And um, I'm, I'm happy to say that it's been a blessing that um, when the year end, um, our sales grow and 80% come from local collectors. So you're, in that sense, that has changed for me drastically. And it gives me the um, perspective, what I could do, you know, future, future onward, you know, of combining this um, local and international, maybe I don't have to travel anymore. So that has changed for me. And what's still the same for me is, you know, we're still mounting the show. We, we continue to do um, local programming. So that hasn't changed. What changes now? I don't have to pack my bag, unpack, and then fly anymore. Yeah. I'm sure Wheeling is listening to what Santi and Fawn are saying. You're like, yes, I'm going to do the same thing. Absolutely. I don't need to say anything else. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, absolutely. I agree. I mean, look, both Santi and Fawn, you know, thank you for sharing. I think I think a lot of I can I think all art dealers, everyone in the in this industry can really relate that there's been so much uncertainty and we've just had to really adapt at doing things so differently. Um, you know, from from my from my perspective last year, it was very much uh, a year of reflection. It became a year where I just started looking inwards instead of looking outwards, you know, and that was both from a personal as well as um, from the gallery perspective. And um, I was actually, when, when the lockdown occurred, when it happened, I, I was, I'm an optimist and I just thought, nah, this will be over in like three months, you know, like we're going to get back to it. We, don't even bother about 
you know, getting, you know, getting those, everyone's making these masks that match their clothes and all that. I said, no way, I'm just gonna buy those ones in the boxes, disposable, and that's it. And here we are, 18 months later, we're still here, we're still wearing masks, we're still doing things by Zoom. I think, um, obviously, um, you know, the, the, the physical exhibitions um, at the gallery this year um, were, were curtailed because we couldn't, although we had programming in place, Sometimes, obviously, because of the intimate, you know, when, we, when the lockdowns occurred, we were unsure as to when they'd be lifted. Then when they did open up, we did the shows and when they closed, we just really just adapted and went with the flow. And I have my team to thank for that because, you know, we work very much together and we are very, the, the team is very adaptable. And, you know, um, when we couldn't do shows, then we moved into um, focusing on things like, creating YouTube videos or documenting our artists, um, you know, journeys, you know, things like creating more educational um, programs, creating webinars that we'd never done before, just moving into areas that um, were challenging and new to us, but we knew would sort of, at the end of the day, um, inform what we were trying to do. And that was to make sure that all our artists or each of our artists had a platform, still had a platform on which to be seen and heard, regardless of whether they were doing exhibitions or regardless of whether there were any sales. You know, it was, it was very much pushing, pushing that envelope forward and keeping the team motivated, you know, and keeping our group, our artists motivated to know that, hey, look, we are still here, we're not going anywhere. And, you know, we're very optimistic that this is, we're gonna come out of this stronger. We didn't really venture into the virtual space where a lot of people were saying, hey, set up a virtual gallery to show people art through virtual. I didn't, I didn't buy into that because I feel that, you know, um, that space is not something that we are ready for or my collectors are ready for. Everyone's just sort of like, oh, I don't know how to navigate that. Like, you know, tell me again. You know? So the minute, the minute people can't get it within the next 10, first five to 10 seconds, they can't load a page. They're like, forget it. Send me the PDF catalog, you know? So, yeah, so in some ways we were still doing things in that, in that way, setting up PDF catalogs, still doing all of that. And then in other ways we were doing outreach to webinars, Zoom, all of this and what we're doing today. Yeah. So it's really just maintaining a very sort of, I mean, pers positive um, outlook um, in, as to what's ahead of us. Mm. Got it. I mean, you guys are all really agile and adapting and doing what you can moving forward in any avenues you can find. Um, but also challenging yourselves, right? To just experiment with new ideas and new technologies. Um, I wanted to circle back to the idea of physical venues. I mean, Fawn and Willie, you each managed two physical spaces, Fawn with Lalanta Fine Art and more recently, Warren Lab Contemporary. And Wheeling, of course, you have Wheeling Gallery and Wheeling Contemporary. Why does it make sense to have two spaces for the work that you do, um, given that, you know, there's restrictions with movement and all of that? Fawn? Yeah. Uh, I had Lalanta Fine Art for the last 15 years, and I just opened Warren Lab Contemporary early in January in, at the height of the pandemic. So, you know, it sounds crazy, and I, and I think it is crazy, but, you know, I'm in it, and I'm going to go all the way. So um, the reason why I need to have two galleries is I feel art has a role to play. So it's not only the role of, you know, bringing aesthetic to people. I think art also have a role to play in terms of giving people opportunity to learn about social issues. Um, I feel that because art is quite flexible and is quite versatile, that you can also talk about things that, you know, people never thought about 
But by happen to come through uh, the exhibition, they start to realize this is happening um, in that city or this is happening and it's very near to them. And might be that uh, we could be, you know, some catalyst for change. So I feel quite strongly about it. I've been thinking about um, doing something differently for a year. But, you know, this year in January is so clear to me. So I think it gave me clarity without, um, you know, having to run around and doing things a certain way. I have time to sit down and think about what I want to achieve and what is my passion. So I set up Warren Lab so that um, we could talk about issues, certainly for this year, the whole year. My program talk about environment. So uh, the first show talk about circular economy, encourage people to reuse the item and also um, reach out to younger generation because um, I feel art is something that, that they could, you know, they go to cafe, they come to my gallery and then start to realize, oh, okay, circular economy, what is it? Because in, in Asia, it's still the idea that's a little bit unknown. And uh, right now we have the exhibition which talk about extinction of animals. You know, things like this, if, if um, people don't think about it, don't talk about it, it never come up on your phone. That's how we consume media now. And I feel that because it is something that they never talk about, it doesn't mean that it's not important. That's why, you know, I have Warren Lab Contemporary. So this two physical space has different purpose and I feel it's quite important to have a separate um, identity so that I could be very clear and focused on my program. Thank you for that, Fon. And what about for you, Weiling? Is it a same that there are two very distinct agendas for the two spaces that you have? Well, I mean, I think, okay, so yeah, that, Fon, thank you for sharing that because I think there are some, obviously there's um, some of the reasons why we, we both have two spaces, um, echoes one another. I mean, I had set up Weiling Gallery 20, almost 20 years ago. And that was really to, um, my objective at the time had been to um, promote and to provide a platform for Malaysian artists um, to see the work, to present their work and to, to put forward issues that concerned them. And so we've, over the years, obviously um, cultivated a, a group of artists that we represent. And so those, those artists, we, we show them in, in both spaces, most, mostly their like solo exhibitions or two-man shows or projects that they're working on. But what happened with Wailing Contemporary is that it's actually, it's a very, it's a cavernous space and then it's on the rooftop of the mall. And so it provides us with, um, you know, we're very, very fortunate actually, because it provides us with um, a space where we can be very experimental. We can show monumental work, artists, we can invite artists from international artists and they've come in and they've taken up um, the whole space to present really major projects that discuss um, social issues or discuss, you know, um, create awareness of, of humanitarian issues or issues that relate to human suffering, for example, like Dadan Cristanto, when he did his, his first um, solo exhibition in Malaysia, we, we, we offered him the whole space and he came up with a, this gargantuan installation that could only be shown in that space. So we were very, we were very, very fortunate to have that. And, you know, I think when you have uh, a space that is dedicated to talking about a particular issue, like Fran said, with her new space, it you know it just lends um, credence to or underscores the reason why the artist is making what or saying what they're saying, and people come and they question and they want to know why, and they are immersed in the project. 
Um, and that's where, you know, Wheeling Contemporary is different because it has, we have the space and it provides us with that, with the, 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 you know, that the ability to allow artists to be experimental and to go big and to um, shout from a, from a highest place, you know? Um, and so the two, the two, the two spaces complement one another in that sense, because um, Wheeling Gallery is our flagship and it's in a wonderful heritage building in the middle of um, Little India. And um, it was designed by my father after a fire broke out in that space. So there's a lot of really wonderful um, history attached to that building. Um, so it's, very, it's a very personal, it's a much more personal space. It's a much more intimate space. Um, and people say that the Wheeling Gallery is a lot more intimate. They feel much closer to the art, whereas Wheeling Contemporary is much more almost institutional in its approach, I would say. Thank you for that, Wheeling. Um, what about for you, Santi? I mean, uh, opposite to Vaughn and Wheeling, you do not have a permanent physical space, but you have been very innovative in occupying physical spaces and digital ones temporarily. How has this model worked for you? Yeah, thanks, Nadia. I think it's very interesting to hear from Fon and Wailing about uh, their approach to the different spaces they have. And for me, I think because I am a consultant, uh, I like to feel that I have the freedom to uh, do things rather differently. Um, so I think last year until April this year, I was mainly still doing everything online. But then I realized that, uh, you know, this year, early this year, many places have opened and people started to go out and about and uh, quite a few galleries started um, opening up their spaces. Uh, the same thing in Australia. So um, I felt there was also at the same time online, there were so many programs happening. It was getting harder to get people's attention unless you really do something really different. Um, and I, I realized more and more collectors also came up to me and said, you know, they were really miss looking at what's in person, uh, visiting galleries again, and they started asking if they could see the work in person. So that become a limitation for me. So I decided to actually do, uh, to work to, together with a gallery in Jakarta where I helped do the online programming and then we have the physical uh, exhibition in their space. Um, so it, it was actually one of the best exhibitions that I've done uh, in terms of response as well. Um, and we, of course, organized quite a few uh, other supporting events like talks and studio tours, live paintings. So the way I look at it, I think moving forward, this uh, worked really well because this is really about collaborations. And this is really something that I feel very fortunate being in Indonesia, being Indonesian, that um, the whole community, the art community uh, is very uh, supportive. So ever since I'm back in Jakarta, I have a lot of you know, other dealers and galleries and artists, everybody, we just you know, call each other up and say, let's do something together. So it's something very usual for us to kind of do, to like share our resources uh, and, and do things together. Yeah. That sounds great. And I mean, now that we've heard from everyone, I think all of you have done very well balancing between maximizing physical spaces while making an effort to expand um, very conscientiously into the digital realm. So I thought for maybe you could talk about taking part in, for example, Art Fair Philippines. 
um, it was like a purely online version, the very first one. Um, and you did mention that you used to attend like up to nine art fairs in a year. So mm -hmm. how was that experience like for you? So um, to be on the online fair is actually a huge amount of um, back-end work. Uh, of course, the same as a physical fair that, you know, that a physical of, you know, moving things around. But you need to have a very good um, image. You need to have your database right. And um, with, with the ad fair, they focus a lot more on the experience, you know, so you need to have a video done. So all that work has come to me. And uh, so I need to learn everything, you know, I have to learn the role because my generation, I came into this um, world before the internet came. So... <laughs> Basically, you know, what happened is I start to, to have to learn new skills. So my staff as well has to upskill in terms of digital. So I feel that actually help us to, to foresee what is required in the future. And um, when you invited me for this panel, I look at Wailing and I look at Santi um, Instagram. And I was so inspired, you know, you, you guys are doing podcasts, you guys are doing educational programs. And I feel... Being an art gallery, you also being a you know chief marketing manager, you being a chief financial officer, you are a curator, and now you become a brand personality as well because you know you speak to people. So I think that requires a lot of effort. And I think um, well, living is a lifelong learning. So I think you know I feel that with this um, COVID, it accelerate the. Uh, digital capability for you know three years at least you know I feel that it will come maybe two three years but with COVID you have to do it right away because it is survival so so I feel that you know being able to try to adapt and adjust to the situation is is a very good learning for me yeah definitely and I mean all of you have tried of course to reach out to new audiences as well right so like willing um I think for Wailing Contemporary, you had 100 Pieces Art for All, the mm. exhibition in the gallery space, but you also had an e-castle available for the exhibition, which you said you'd be happy to send to anyone on request. Mm. I'm just wondering about how the reception was for your programming, both in the physical space and the online spaces with your existing customers, your existing clients, and like reaching out to like a wider public. Yeah, well, no, thank you for noticing that particular show. And it was the first time that really sort of um, focused on um, on looking at works that were, I mean, it was actually when, when we were discussing this, I was discussing this with my team and we were sort of brainstorming. I think the um, the premise on which this exhibition began was we, were, we had lots of um, new collectors sort of coming through our space, um, young people, influencers, people on Instagram who were like coming to our shows and just taking photographs of themselves in front of the paintings or doing a TikTok video or, you know, some of them were really innovative. Some came and they did a date. They did a dating scene at our gallery. So it was really quite cool to see what all these young people were doing on, um, on social media and Instagram. And we thought, hey, you know what? It would be really interesting if they, we could create a body, a show, um, where all the artworks were affordable art, you know, artworks that people could come in and potentially, if they wanted, they could collect because, you know, they, it was at a level where it was a good entry point. Um, and um, it was really quite refreshing, as I said, because it was the first time we'd done it. Um, and we also wanted people to understand that, you know what, it doesn't mean 
that if you want to collect a work by a, a, an established or um, artist, that you need to fork out huge or copious amounts of money. I mean, you can still uh, acquire an artwork by a very serious artist, um, and maybe not such a large piece, or you, you could collect an edition by them. And, you know, we just wanted to, um, yeah, for lack of a better word, um, educate and, and share that with that message with, 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 um, with, I wouldn't say collectors, but with people who are interested or starting to look at art. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I think, and um, in terms of the way or the response that we had, we were not really looking at our existing collectors. It was really just sort of like hoping that we would be able to um, meet new collectors. And as a result of um, this, this um, project, uh, we actually managed to do that, surprisingly, because we didn't, we didn't um, expect anything um, beyond just putting the work out there. And so it was, it was a very positive outcome all around. Um, and it also offered us a platform in which to sort of share stories about um, all of the artists who were involved and in the, the emerging artists as well as like very established artists. There was a wide, wide spectrum, a wide range. And our curators also did uh, a, a weekend, um, a free weekend um, curated tour around the, 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 the show. So that was really well received as well. And thankfully we were not in the lockdown at the time. So at any one time over the weekend, we'd have like 10 people signing up to join the tour. So it, it, it was really, I think as a whole, that whole exercise um, worked really well. And we were really, I think the team and I are very, very pleased with, with how it turned out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think when people sign up for this talk, I mean, like, how do art dealers conduct business as usual? They might be surprised now, like, hey, we seem to be talking a lot about education, but it's certainly a thread that's running through everyone's responses. Um, so I'm just going to continue that thread with Sanji. I mean, Sanji, you organize, for example, um, Dekat Dekat Jau, So Close Yet So Far, a conversation series about Indonesia-Australia relations with visual arts, um, presented in collaboration with Asian Link Arts. And I know you've done really fun programs like um, Friday I'm in Art, Saturday Art Fever, you know, with people like Cosmas Ghazali, with um, Hafiz, for example. So um, what value do you see in these programs that you do in, you know, fostering, I guess, new ideas or relationships within the community? Yeah, I think, Nadia, for me, uh, art collecting is always about knowledge building. Uh, you know, for me, for seasonal collectors, for, for new, new people who are interested in collecting, you just have to kind of like continuously learn and build knowledge. Um, so I'm based on my experience, very often uh, for those uh, people who are very interested in art or just starting out, they're not sure how to start and the artwork can be very intimidating, I feel. And sharing uh, knowledge, online, I think especially online, is a good way to reach out to these new audiences. Uh, I notice we sometimes post online tips, for example, about art collecting, something quite simple. And uh, we actually have the highest, always have the highest engagement for that kind of post as well. Uh, and, you know, every time I tell people that I work in the art, for example, and what I exactly do, the response is always like, oh, that's very interesting. And they always ask, you know, they're always like follow-up questions about, uh, about, about the art world. So there's this curiosity, I feel. And then if this curiosity is uh, being nurtured with knowledge, then it can lead to passion. 
So I really believe that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Santi. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, because it isn't laying a foundation, a very strong foundation, I think, with with the the public at mm. large to sort of give them those, um, to provide them those entry points uh, into the art world, and it doesn't need to just be come to the gallery and look at an artwork. Mm. It can be through, as you say, online engagement, podcasts, you know, um, yeah, very web webinars and things where people don't feel intimidated. Yes. And they can just they can just join and they can be almost anonymous and they don't need yes. to ask too many questions, but they can learn. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, I know that, that that's really important, I think, in, yeah. in building in building a community that is um, engaged with art. Yeah. And I think because there's always this stigma, you know, if I speak to my friends, for example, they always I don't understand art. But then how do you uh, how you know, how are you able to understand something you need to learn about? it? So that I think we have to kind of, uh, what do you call it, break the barrier. Um, you're, then, you're, mm. you know, you're absolutely right, you're absolutely right. But I think the, the, bo the, bottom, the bottom of it all is basically, you know, we know how we feel, right? So mm. I always sort of say to people when they say, I don't understand art, I don't understand this, you know, you know, you know I don't know where to start, I don't show me art, you know? And I said, you know what, but you know how you feel, right? Like if you look at something, you yeah. feel something, right? So mm. tell me how you feel. You know, it's as simple as that. Just getting getting to the bottom line to say, how do you feel about this? Yeah, yeah. When you, when you stand in front of it, you know, how does it make you yes. feel? Yes, and right? I'm sure it's pro probably the same in, 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 in Bangkok and in Malaysia as well. In Indonesia, I feel there are a lot, of, like the young generations, they are very, very curious. Yeah, absolutely. About absolutely. art, they really want to know, they really want to learn. So it's, it's great. No, it's true. Yeah. It's true. And also, I don't know about whether in, in Thailand and um, Indonesia, the same is, can be said for sort of um, different disciplines, like other disciplines, like, uh, say, performing arts or um, writers and things like that. Is there much crossover music into the art world? Is there much, have you all seen much of that at all? I think slowly. I remember last year uh, when COVID just started and everybody started doing online program. I realized actually the most active ones were the comic, the performing arts community. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah, they yeah. had to. They really had to step up. I felt really sorry actually for mm. people who were involved in, in music and performing because there were no audiences that they could mm. perform to. Yes. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, like one of the things that. Um, we decided last year, again, in a way to sort of um, create an exchange with or to create um, bridges between other mediums is we did a visual poetry project mm. where we invited um, 10 key poets from Malaysia, like well-known literary liter people from the literary world in Malaysia, to engage with uh, artworks by an artist, Hamidi Hadi. His works are very abstract. And we invited them to come on board and to write, to write poetry about a select, any painting that they wanted. And it was a fantastic outcome because um, we had so many different um, points of view, so many different expressions, so many sort of, I think it was, it, was, it, came, it was the visual arts community coming together with the literary um, community in Malaysia. And I think it was, it was really wonderful to see that happen. Mm. you know um and yeah it, it was just it was just one of the ways that we thought could be a good way to bridge and to create something new at a time when you know we could think about other ways of reaching I think, out 
Great. I mean, this interdisciplinary sharing and then just opening up new audiences, not just for the visual arts, but also in performing arts, uh, for example, as you have um, illustrated. Um, I'm just wondering if we can move away from, you know, this educational aspect and interdisciplinarity. Um, I guess people are also really wondering about the business side of things. And I know, Fawn, you shared something about, like, you know, the international um, clients as opposed to the local clients. Um, that shift in the past year. Um, I'm curious to hear also from Santi and Wei Ling and also Fon, if you have anything else to add, how have your clients' purchasing habits or modes changed, if at all? Um, Wei Ling, do you want to go first? Sure, sure. Okay. Um, actually, um, we haven't really seen a huge difference in the way that people collect. I mean, our existing clients collect. Um, I think invariably our clientele or collectors still need to see the artworks. So when there have thankfully been windows between our lockdowns in Malaysia, we have been able to have um, small groups of collectors come through to look at exhibitions um, by and or by appointment. Um, and I think, you know, um, this whole idea of having or having, having people view the show by appointment or staggering people between, like giving them 45 minutes and then saying, okay, someone else is coming in, in 45 minutes. I think it just, it, it has actually um, worked to our advantage in many ways because you, 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 you have the attention of someone for that particular period of time and they get your sole attention as well. Um, and everyone, there's no sort of like, oh, you know what, I'll just come next week or I'll just you know it's it's more it's more structured and I feel that this boy, by appointment has actually been a positive thing from during the MCO um, in terms of um, how people have been reacting to it I think collectors in Malaysia as far as we've seen um, are more have more time now because they're not traveling and moving around they've got more time to focus and to look and to understand more about what the artist is saying to their work. And as a result of that, um, it's been a very, very positive. I mean, I would say that last year was a very, very positive year in terms of collecting for our collectors and for the gallery. That's great. What about for you, Fawn? Do you want to add to what you were saying earlier about, you know, that? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, my, I, I get to reach out to a lot of new clients over the last year. And that is through online reach out. So people who used to, you know, see it as art fair, they're on our mailing list, you know, so I start to sending out information when we have a show, we make sure that we have a video footage for them because I feel that I want to at least give them a, a familiar um, things when they look at exhibition. Now it's through the lens, it's not with their own eyes. So, you know, we produce a lot of um, like very simple video. And um, I could see that um, a, lot of, a lot of my sales, you know, apart from local collectors who, who buy a bigger ticket item, a lot of small sales also come from international. So I'm, I, I think um, digital had helped me a lot to, to uh, get a new clientele. And a lot of them are, you know, the millennial, the younger people who start off, you know, like Santi and Meling say that the younger people start to be more curious and interested in, in art. So um, um, what has changed for me in business is I got, I got newer collectors, younger collectors buying, you know, not too expensive work. So which, which I think that are the people that we have to nurture because in 10 years, they'll be the largest um, 
well, they are now largest working population in the world. So, you know, of course, all the, uh, the business in 10 years will come from them. What about for you, Sandy? I mean, how do you conduct business? Um, I think, um, yes, I think for my secondary, I just feel I think in general, uh, more and more people are comfortable uh, by not work, uh, looking at just images or videos. Uh, but which means from our side, we really need to provide really, really good, you know, high-res images and video. It's become part of the requirement, you know? Uh, and for my secondary uh, collector, for example, especially those who are collecting uh, Western art with the travel restrictions and everything, you know, it's, it's, it goes with that without saying you just have to look at the PDF. But I think more and more uh, collectors are more comfortable. Um, similarly to phone, I think with the online programming, uh, I tend to reach out to younger audience. And I think they are also very comfortable in terms of doing um just buying artwork, um, you know, online without having to look at the uh, physical work. I just feel like I think when you do online and and offline, it's I I hate to say it's double work, but it is like you know uh, you still have to kind of maintain your um, your current uh, existing clients, but at the same time your online programming. But in terms of sales, uh, doing digital marketing is something very very different. A very very different approach i think yeah thank you for the observation santi and i'm just wondering for the last question i'm going to ask before the q a do you feel that there is a sense of equilibrium now after more than a year living with the presence of COVID 19 and experimenting with what works to keep your art dealerships thriving do you feel like you've got a good footing um i think for me i am more aware i think about what works and what's not uh, but then again it keeps changing you never know uh, so I think for me my mindset now is basically I just need to keep really actively improving uh, from what works and keeping up to date because things change very fast uh, and collaborations become a very important part uh, for me uh, I think that's how we should work now um, and online and off offline also uh, complement each other and I think it will still be around even even after COVID I think. What about for you Wayling Fawn? Um well I'll, I'll go first yeah um just I would say that um yeah just you know we were not as involved in um doing all the other projects that we do now which is like the podcasts and the videos and the the YouTube and the, you know, sort of really being active on social media. That was not something that we were so focused on prior to this, these lockdowns. Um, but so I think moving forward, we our programs are gonna continue in the way that they have, but we will definitely continue to add on to what we started on the digital, on the social, yeah. MC, social media platforms. Um, I think, yeah. it, you know, um, at the end of the day, um, you know, we, the lockdown or no lockdown we have to keep doing the work that we believe in and work with the artists we know are creating art for the right reasons with the right intentions and most importantly with authenticity and I think I quite like the pace now because as although we can't really plan ahead as such um, it provides us the opportunity to uh, be creative and um, to to look for other ways to to do things um, especially when the situation calls for it so um, 
yeah, I, I think that I said earlier, I, I, I enjoyed the novelty of the MCO happening last year. But, you know, now it's just, it's wearing out. You know, 18, 15 to 18 months later, it's just wearing out. And I'm really looking forward to getting back into the thrill of, you know, more energy, traveling, moving around, meeting people, um, and um, yeah, having a life again. So I'm optimistic for that. Yeah, I resonate with you, Welling, because, you know, we come from the pace where it's like fast, and uh, now our world come to a halt. So <laughs> to, to answer Nadia about um, equilibrium, Right, I mean that's a big word for me. Um, I I feel I feel that now my energy go a, a lot to um, digital because uh, this is a time that I start to every day I think what can I do what can I do better because um, digital doesn't come as natural to me you know so I have my younger staff who who help me and um, as the saying go that never wears a good crisis I think COVID is a very good crisis for me personally I feel that you know I, I have to I have to adjust and I have to learn new skill and you know being in a company of able woman in this panel, you know, seeing what you do with, with digital. I feel so inspired and, um, and I feel that the way forward is, is to learn from this COVID and take digital capability for my gallery uh, to the next level. But having said that, um, I feel that we also have to look at our audience as well. A lot of our audience are still from the generation, you know, you know same age as us, 40, you know, mid 40, early 50s, they might not be able to migrate fully to digital. So I think that's a balance that we have to play. So of course, we reach out to a millennial who are digital native, they were born with iPad at their dining table, you know, like they educate with iPad. So basically, I think um, a role of gallery has to look at both the audience, existing um, art patrons that we have, as well as say that they might not be comfortable with, you know, all this new media, they want you to send the PDF file because that's what they're comfortable with. So I think that's a balance that they have to play. So I think this crisis has given me a perspective of how to run the business um, future forward. I muted myself because there was like an airplane flying over. Um, oh. but Anyway, um, this is a good point for us to go into the Q&A. Um, I have a question from uh, one of our audience members, Zinang Wang. Um, he's asking, how do you think art fairs will be like in the future and will you all continue to take part in art fairs? I think um, because we are human and we are social uh, beings. So I think we still need human connection. Art fair will still be there because, you know, people still want to go, you know, for different reasons, socialize, to look at art, you know, to connect with people and to network. So it'll still be there, but um, it might not be as many as we have seen, maybe, because the Gary like me who used to do nine fairs a year, I start to realize maybe it's too many. Maybe I could do something different. So maybe it's not a full-blown as before. But, you know, we have to wait and see. Wheeling, you're nodding away. Yeah, no, no, I'm just listening to Fawn because, I mean, you know, for the last um, decade or so, um, we have been on that gallery, 
art fair circuit, you know, you name it from you know, Singapore, Hong Kong, Korea, you know, New York, we were everywhere, you know, and um, after a while, we, we, we had to reassess the situation and to see, you know, what was really working for us as a gallery, um, because we were, we were, a lot of the time we were taking um, Malaysian artists out, out into an international arena um, to give them that platform. And many times, um, the, the, um, those platforms were very much in um, showing projects that were not commercial because we really wanted to give audiences uh, the true, a true understanding of where the artist is coming from and not just to present commercial work. You know, and I mean, I think it was it was a fantastic it was a fantastic way to introduce the artist. But I think after a period of time, we had to question whether that was working for us commercially. But anyway, it, to answer the question, <laughs> I think okay, I'll give you an, a, 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 a personal experience about what happened this year. Like we were we participated in um, Artsy Focus in Singapore which is, I think this is the second year that they did it and they did it last year as well. It was a fantastic little fair. I, I really enjoyed participating in that fair very much. So this year when they invited us to partake, I said, how was how this going to work? And so it was basically a very innovative way of working. And that was obviously there was a digital platform. And then there was a physical curated exhibition where artists, galleries could participate, but then we could send the artworks down. The artworks were able to travel without going under quarantine. But as a gallery and my, my gallery and my team, we could not go, we were not able to be there physically. But the curators who were taking care of the fair were so engaged and they were so in tune with what the artist was saying or what the work was about that we, they ended up selling the work without us being there. So the art was, was sitting in their curated exhibition and they sold and I thought, Hey, maybe maybe this is a this is going to be a, the way forward. So you don't need to mobilize the entire team from one country to another. If you have a, a really um, you know like artsy focus had a fantastic um, team put together who was so sort of engaged with what was going on that you just send the artworks over and it, you don't need to be present and then it, it all kind of worked out. So. Perhaps that might be a way forward for art fairs. Who's to know? You know, more curated, you know, maybe instead of the galleries having to take up spaces, they can still rent a space, but not have to be there physically. Anyway, food for thought. Yeah. <laughs> definitely the mother of invention here. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that, Weiling. I think it's time to wrap up. We're at 4.30. So thank you to everyone for spending the last 45 minutes with us. And thank you so much, Weiling, Fawn, and Santi, for the wonderful exchange we've had here. If you would like to catch all the other panel discussions in Landing, please visit artandmarket.net slash Landing. Landing continues the conversations from our annual publication check-in. The e-version is free for all to read on artandmarket.net slash check-in. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that all of the ladies in this panel here have been wonderful, wonderful supporters of this publication. Thank you so much. Um, there is also a limited print run of check-in. We would greatly appreciate it if you would consider purchasing a physical copy, which would go towards programming at AM, such as the panel discussion you have attended today. Thank you and see you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.